listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. We keep taking like two and three weeks off. We're so lazy. It's not lazy. We've had a lot of family things going on. <laughs> we, have, so. we, we have been busy the past couple weeks, and uh, a lot of family stuff going on, a lot of... Uh, Outside influences. The book has Melly's been working really hard on the book. I turned everything in yesterday, so now we wait. <laughs> and now we wait. Yeah, now so now the full manuscript, author bios, pictures, all that stuff are turned in. So we'll see uh, what the edits come back for the next time. But everything is done now. The big push is over. I feel like I can just breathe. Right. So <laughs> now I know it's done. I, I stay ahead of schedule. So that was the big thing that for me was just making sure that I backwards planned so that I could stay ahead of schedule. If anybody is lo- like everybody's having to do that for Christmas. Some people don't. Some people are going to be last minute shoppers. That's me at Christmas. Men. Not about this. All men, last minute shoppers. <laughs> I've been a last minute shopper always too. Yeah. Always. I don't buy ahead because if I buy it ahead, I'm gonna give it to you. Oh. <laughs> I can't keep a secret. Don't tell me your secrets. I will not be able to hold them. Don't tell me your secrets. Yeah, unless it's real important, then I can hold a real important secret. Like there is no secret that this is episode ninety nine. Episode ninety nine. It's funny. We're so close. It's almost a hundred. And if we weren't so well, if we had planned better, we would be over a hundred now. I think it works out good because we're coming up on our car anniversary. Yeah. In January, so you know that'll be about a hundred. We can talk about the last three years of carnivore. Well, and let's say well, I'll be honest. I haven't been a hundred percent carnivore. <laughs> okay, okay. We're going to talk a little bit about this, and I teeter all over the place sometimes because I experiment with myself because I have issues. <laughs> well, this is something that we talked about. You know, getting in the holidays, uh, you could get off track, and this ha- it started around Thanksgiving. It's not off track. I totally planned this, so it's part of my plan. Okay, all right. But I made sweet potatoes, sweet potato casserole with no added sugar or anything like that for Thanksgiving. And we had some leftovers, and I brought it home, and I started eating it every night with my steak. And it turned into, like, then I bought more sweet potatoes, (laughs) and I just kept doing it. And I don't know, it got to where I was like, maybe I need these to be able to sleep well. Because I've been sleeping really, 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 really good. Yeah. Really good. Like, so good. When you sleep good, I mean, people get addicted to all kinds of things, but I'm getting addicted to, like, really good sleep. Oh, I love really good sleep. Like, really love it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and we're talking about the sweet potatoes, if you'd like, well, maybe they're making me sleep better, then you kind of don't want to get rid of them. You no, know? I don't want to get rid of them. But here's the kicker. I've been doing this every single night, almost every single night, since Thanksgiving. What's today? Today is December 21st. So since Thanksgiving, 
And now I have spots of eczema. <laughs> so what is happening? So the conversation is, could it be the sweet potatoes? I'm like, it's probably anything. It's probably the steak. That's what. That's where, <laughs> That's where most people go. I'm just probably eating too much meat. Mm, no, no, it's not that. It's probably going to be whatever plant toxin is in the sweet potato that's affecting my immune system and causing me to have an, a skin reaction. So I've taken the sweet potatoes out. Then we talked about this. There could be other factors that are involved. It's winter, so you wear more clothes. Uh, you know, so your skin is is rubbed more. It's drier. All that yeah, stuff. All that stuff are, are factors. So, um, but can't roll out the sweet potato. No, I've got this one itchy spot on my stomach that's just like this patch of eczema that I'm just like, it's itching right now. It itches right at this moment. <laughs> and I'm I'm so frustrated because I'm sleeping good and at night I don't itch when I'm asleep and I'm sleeping well and I don't know if it's the sweet potatoes or not, but I'm I, like I said, I'm taking them out. I threw the last part of the sweet potato away today. And then we'll know. Yeah. Give me a few days and maybe by the next time we do a podcast in three years, I'll have (laughs) this figured out. And this is very typical of most people. This happens to everyone. Um, You're, you know, doing really good and and something kind of gets, you know, uh, inserted back into your diet and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got this arthritis pain or this eczema or I'm not sleeping well. Could it possibly be X? Well, maybe I just can't have everything. Maybe maybe the universe is like, you can have good sleep, but we're going to give you eczema. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like that. Maybe you just can't have all good things all the time. I guess. I mean, you know, I don't know. that's a way to look at it. Maybe. I don't know. It could also be stress because I've had a, a little bit more stress. Right. That's true. And all of those things, like you said, that's an outside factor, you know, a lifestyle factor that can definitely impact things like a skin reaction or an autoimmune kind of reaction. And anyway, just been working with helping my mom. My mom's not doing very well. It's not COVID. They've tested her 500 times trying to make sure and (laughs) they want her to have it, I think, but she doesn't have COVID, but we're, we're in a little bit of a other situation now. It's a health crisis and you know, that's, that's stress right now. So doing the best we can. And Everybody goes through these times in their life where there's where there's stress. So, uh, you know, you just you have to deal with it the best you can and and accept it and move forward. Exactly. Uh, and wh- don't eat sweet potatoes. And don't eat sweet potatoes. God, uh, I love sweet potatoes. Though. They are they are delicious. They are, and uh, that kind of goes into. I posted this a while back that I'm reading. I was reading this book. We've both been reading books that are contrary to pretty much. So many things that we believe about nutrition. Yes. And it's always fun to kind of challenge yourself with that kind of information. But I was reading this one book called Roar. And it's, um, anyway, they were talking about in one section, there was a little sidebar in the book about why we have big brains. And it was apparently because we ate tubers, which are sweet potatoes, like kind of like yams, sweet potatoes, things like that. And I was like, oh, that's so funny because that's contrary to everything we talk about. But now, if that's true, I will not have a big brain if I can't eat sweet potatoes. (laughs) I find it really hard to believe that people think that humans survived on tubers. It's crazy. Your spears were for digging up tubers, not for killing animals. Now, I, I do believe that if there were tubers available, they would eat them. 
Right. Because ancestor humans wouldn't be like, you know, I'm carnivore. No, they'd be like, no, that's food. I'm going to eat it. Well, they're saying because when we figured out fire, we were able to cook these tubers, and we couldn't eat them before that. So it wasn't until we were able to cook them after we found them that they gave us the big brains. Right. So so this is one of those things we'll never know the answer to because we're, we, we weren't there. Nobody what? was there. So when you go back to how did humans, and this is my theory on the whole thing of how humans realized that they could cook meat. Yeah. Okay. It, it was when there was a huge fire and animals got burned and cooked. And humans were like, wow, that smells really good. <laughs> I think I'm going to eat some of that. <laughs> it smells like the barbecue pit. <laughs> and, they're, they're, and they're like, I can have my own fire and kill an animal and bring it back to my own fire and cook it? That sounds like a great idea. So I think so. That's like my caveman theory. I can't prove that. Okay. I can't, I can't back that up. I can't back it up at all. Well, just, just think about how you feel when you start... Seeing a fire. Mm-hmm. We, we just recently bought a fire pit. We did. And w- you built a fire, and it was so fun sitting outside. It's a little cold outside, sitting around the fire, and it has a grate over it that we can throw some meat on top of it mm-hmm. and cook meat. And I'm like, I feel so, like, I feel like a cave woman. But <laughs> when you start thinking about cooking meat over a fire, there's something about it that it makes you hungry. It makes you start right. salivating. It sounds delicious, and you know that smell. So I totally buy into your theory. And that's something I always joke about caveman TV. That's what a fire is. It's caveman TV. If you sit around a fire with a lot of people, it is it brings you together, and you feel comfortable doing it because we've done it for hundreds of thousands of years. So it just makes sense that sitting around a fire with other people makes you feel Comfortable makes you feel good. Makes you feel good. Yeah, we um, all need to feel good. Yeah, but re- but to your point, reading things that are contrary to what you believe, I think is a good thing mm-hmm. because that way you, you always want to want to challenge your beliefs and do research and then see if the train of thought you're on is working or not. That's always a, a good thing to do. Um, the book I've been reading is a it's a it's a runner's book, so it's the science of running, and I always love it when people put the science in front of whatever the science of cardboard, you know. <laughs> Whatever it is. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, things that they say that are all high-carb, you know, suggestions. And mm-hmm. they, But what's funny is I'll talk about fasted running. It's great to do fasted running, but they're high-carb athletes because fasted running teaches you to run on low glycogen stores and, and make those stores bigger, which, which I don't agree with. I think fasted running teaches you how to burn your other fuel source, which is fat. I think that's mm-hmm. what it teaches you to do. I don't think it makes your glycogen stores any bigger it teaches you how to run on fat as fuel yeah well the book i'm reading there her point for women was if you eat fat your body's going to get accustomed to burning fat and therefore when you eat fat you're going to get fatter (laughs) so i was like oh my gosh no 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 and and so the, the reason we disagree with that which is good for everyone to hear is you know, fat and protein are not insulogenic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you're not eating foods that increase your insulin, you don't store fat. Right. And and that's you know physiology, and we can't we, we you can argue with that if you want to. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but those are things that that we believe in. If you eat fat and protein more often, you make less insulin. That way, you store less fat. The more carbohydrates you store, and now there's a balance that happens in there. If you if you work out a lot. If you're, you run a lot or, or lift a whole lot, and I mean excessively, not like 20 minutes for the day, then you can probably burn all of those calories. I said calories. All oh those God. carbohydrates 
and and get away with it for a certain period of time. But arguing that eating fat stores fat does not it does not work out. Yeah, I mean, only if you're eating a bunch of fat with your carbs, you know, right. then that that's problematic. We know that is a surefire way to pack on the pounds. But, you know, I mean, just reading stuff like that that is contrary to everything. Literally, the book was contrary to almost every single <laughs> dietary principle that I have. And it was like, I know you would hear me. I would just be like, I would throw the book down sometimes. I'd be like, oh, my God, <laughs> I can't believe they're telling people this. But it's good to do that because then I had to stop and think and go back and look up things that I find true in my life to make sure that, you know, am I reading all the science? Am I being well-rounded? Am I missing something? Because it's important to stay open. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, it's important to challenge your beliefs. And what everybody right now is accusing everybody of living in their own bubble, especially politically and all those things. And, and you know, I mean, we can't do it in the nutrition world either. We have to be open to being corrected. The science is not settled. That's, you know, when we start saying the science is settled, then we're probably going to be in trouble because things... Things change. We learn. We evolve. We, you know, we just learn more yep. every day. Oh, there are, there are a lot of feelings out there right now. Oh, so many feelings. And here's what I, I, I tell people. Statistics don't lie. Facts matter. And they don't have, facts don't have feelings. Okay. They don't care about what you think. Facts don't have feelings. And so uh, I made the mistake of sharing some facts on uh, Facebook with someone that posted something that I didn't agree with. And it exploded. And you, you cause a lot of problems. I cause a lot of problems sometimes. <laughs> and, and that's my fault. That's my issue to deal with. But, you know, I'm just posting statistics. I'm just saying certain things that, are, that I can back up with statistics. And people do not want to hear those. They want, to, they want you to appeal to their, their feelings. They don't want to hear what's real. Right. And, I, you know, it's just one of those times where when you can't compare... You hear everybody comparing things to the mask and seat belts. This is not the same. You hear people comparing the COVID vaccination to a smallpox vaccination, uh, and, which is what you're referring to. And that was the one that got me. And here's the here's just let me break it down as as visual as I can with with what I can say is it was a picture of a, a mother. Okay, so now we're using the mother and a child. So that's already draws people in. It's a mother and a child, and the child is asking the mother what the scar is on her arm. And she says, it's a smallpox vaccination. And the child asks, why don't I have one? And she says, I have one, so you don't have to have one. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the whole thing here is you're, 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 they're comparing. This is virtue signaling. That's what this is. It's a propaganda meme that is virtue signaling. It's saying that the mother is good because she sacrificed getting the vaccine so the child wouldn't have to. The mother sacrificed for the child. The subtext to this in our current state of affairs is that if you don't get the coronavirus vaccine, you don't love your child. Right. That's the subtext here, and that's what people don't understand. Now, that's propaganda 101. Trust me, I know. I was in the military for 20 years. We went to classes on propaganda, how it's developed, how it's applied, and how it's mind control. And this is a mind control device because most people, when they look at that that picture or meme, they don't understand that they are trying to influence you, influence people to take the coronavirus, but it's guilting you or shaming you into do it. Which is not a reason to do anything. It's not. It's not a reason. Shaming people or guilting people into doing things is not a reason. And this is where it comes in. Facts matter. Statistics matter. Okay? So when I share 
statistics that are contrary to that person's narrative that they believe in, man, let me tell you, people get upset. That's true. <laughs> they do get <laughs> they upset. Do. And a lot of you probably experience this too because we know this is a this is just a high stress time. We're coming up on the holidays. We're being told in a lot of places that you shouldn't spend time with your family. You should stay away from people who don't live in your household. So stress is high. Loneliness, I imagine, is extremely high for some people. And that's so oh, it's so awful to think about. It is. And, and and then you have this come along where people are already emotional and kind of beat down. And then you give them propaganda like that that plays on the emotion. And that's the whole point. They try It tries to uh, paint a world where we're very susceptible to being emotionally uh, turned in different ways. You're being emotionally manipulated. And, and I get called insensitive. I, I've been told I don't care about other people, that I'm just a just an a-hole that, you know, doesn't care. That's not true. I I do care about other people, and that's why I try to share this information is because people don't understand they're being manipulated. Right. And that's why that, that's the intent behind behind commenting on a post like that. However, it never turns out good, so I should know better, but I do it anyway. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. What am I gonna do? Well, we went way off the rails from sweet potatoes <laughs> into coronavirus, but it's important. This is important stuff that we're all facing, and we know we're all we're a lot of people are afraid that when they go back to work, they're going to be forced to do this, right. or when or when you have to fly or travel, you know, because some people are going to have to eventually travel within and without mm-hmm. the United States. For their jobs. Well, and the, I've, the, I've traveled multiple times on airplanes during this whole pandemic. Right. And it did not did not bother me. I was forced to wear a mask for the majority of the time. But trust me, you can you can eat or drink a lot when you're doing that. Well, the the what I was referring to is the prospect of having forced vaccinations for travel. Right. So there's a lot of stress for people as they go, like during the holidays. I, I know that I don't think that anybody's forcing it now it's too new but the the prospect of in within time a certain amount of time at some point some of these airlines are already saying can't travel if you don't have the vaccine yep airlines and hotels are already saying it which is crazy because there's no like when have you ever had to show a shot record to fly to San Antonio mm-hmm. or anywhere in the U.S. Now, I know that traveling with the military, if you go to certain countries, you do have to have certain vaccinations. That's that's true. But this one's so new, and I don't know. It just seems kind of crazy. A, a lot of people are really, I'm sure, very uptight about that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. I'm not getting it. Yeah, and and I'm not not going to get a coronavirus vaccine either. And the reason is because I have statistics behind me that back up what I what I believe in, and that's what that's what all you people should do. Because I guarantee you, most of the people listening to this podcast take their health very seriously. Very serious. That's why you're here. So if you're already taking your health very seriously, I bet you're on the the other side of of not having really, even though you might not know it, that you. You're gonna if you get coronavirus, you're gonna do well because mm-hmm. you're probably focusing on having having good zinc levels, selenium levels, having vitamin D levels that are good, doing all the healthy things like exercising, lifestyle, environment that make you a healthy person. 
and 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 you shouldn't feel out of control like most people they feel out of control because they're unhealthy and they can't do anything right and and you know all of those lifestyle factors will probably increase you from the not what is it 99 point Yes. Percent uh, recovery weight, 99 and a half, 99.8. It's so high. It's ridiculous. Yeah. To maybe 100% recovery rate <laughs> or right. more. So, you know, it is it is one of those things where you're right. Everybody here probably is already working on their health. And the taking a vaccine just on your own probably wouldn't be necessary. I'm not saying that no one should do it. I know that some people are are going to do it. Um, I, I'm going to let everyone else go first on this. I'm going to let everybody cut in line. Right. And if you have, say you have to do it or you feel like you want to do it, don't be, I would not be completely afraid of taking the, the vaccine. Right. I don't take the flu vaccine every year either. Yeah. I know. I did it one time. I took the flu vaccine one time and got the flu. So I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a fan. And, and I was in the military for years where they forced you to get the flu vaccine. And trust me, every year we would get, we had that one day where they came in and gave the entire unit the flu shot. And within days, people got the flu. Yeah. It happened every year. I mean, mine wasn't bad. It was basically just like, I wasn't bedridden or anything. Mm -hmm. I had, I just didn't feel well for about three days. I had the sniffles and didn't feel myself, felt very congested and and stuff like that. Right. So So I I put this coronavirus vaccine in with the flu vaccine. Like I don't need either of them because I have a healthy immune system that I'm confident in. And, And I'm, and I'm okay with possibly getting the flu and I'll do what's, Everybody's supposed to do. If you feel sick, you don't go out in public. Right. Stay home. Stay home. Stay home and get better. That's what you're supposed to do. So um, I would treat the coronavirus the same way. If I felt bad, I would not go out. I would not be around other people. That's what you do when you're sick. Right. Now, of course, you're listening to us. This is just our personal experience, and this is what we are leaning towards for our own lives. And you have to make that decision for yourself. But we know that a lot of you guys who listen, um, you might be listening to us for just to see what we're doing, to see if it matches what you feel. And I mean, you will have to make that decision on your own. Right. And 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 here's the difference is I'm okay with that. If someone says they're going to get the coronavirus vaccine or even get the flu vaccine, I don't tell them that they're an idiot or they're stupid or it's not needed. If they want to get it, that's their choice. And, and this what... It all boils down to it's your choice. Yes. It gets fuzzy when you start telling people they have to do things. I think that's the biggest point that you just made right there is that it should be a choice. Correct. It should be a choice. And uh, I think it was uh, Fossey, who not real happy with that guy at all, um, said that the uh, the independent American spirit had caused most of the coronavirus vaccine issues. Yeah, Dr. Falsy. Dr. Falsy. So <laughs> Fauci when you, Falsy. When you start talking crap about the American independent spirit, you got issues because the reason we are the best country in the world is because of that spirit. That's true. So uh, when you start telling people that they shouldn't do that and you start telling them they're brave if they wear masks, they're brave if they report on their neighbors for having gatherings, that they're brave people if they harass other people for wearing, not wearing masks, now you've really uh, turned that on its head. Mm-hmm. So just be aware of that stuff. Be um, respectful of other people and their, their choices. That's what we try to do. Right. I have, you know, 
I have a lot of compassion for people who are afraid because I think that fear is such a motivator and I feel bad for people who are strictly motiva- motivated by fear, um, even if they don't realize that's what's happening. But luckily for us, we have stumbled across in our life some people who have made just huge impacts on our life and and information about nutrition and about health that have changed the way, you know, we live. And if we had not done that at some point, who knows, maybe we would be fearful right now and maybe we would be a little bit concerned about, you know, what might happen if we didn't get the coronavirus vaccination. So we're glad you're here. We're glad you're listening and in on this conversation. We hope that, you know, if there's anything that we can say or do to help you have, you know, lessen your fear, giving you some good information, not just like how we feel, but there's a lot of good information out there within the keto, carnivore, and low-carb community about nutrition. We all know that the cholesterol thing has been debunked. We know that eating a lot of carbohydrates, which was on the food pyramid bottom shelf there, the biggest amount of food you're supposed to eat is grains and carbohydrates. We know that's a bunch of BS. So what's to say that some of this stuff that's coming out now about wearing a mask and getting a vaccination for coronavirus isn't also a bunch of BS? They don't have a good track record. And I only named two things that I can name 20 real quick that they've been real wrong about. Um, So it's something to consider and to think about and not be fearful about, but research. Right. And there are a lot of, uh, you know, antiviral treatments now that help with the coronavirus. The, the, and here's what the, the media does not report is the, the mortality rate has dropped dramatically. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is down to about 1.5 now. So it's, and that's with the people that, that get it. So they only track it, the people that get it. That's not overall population. If you throw overall population in there, it goes down dramatically. Like, for example, right. here in Texas, it's 1.6 for people that get it. But if you look at the overall, if you throw the whole population in, it's like 0.1. Right. That's a big difference. So, uh, again, if you're, if you're already doing the healthy things, um, you know, just keep doing them. Try not to listen to all the, uh, the fear and panic that the media is pushing on you. That's, they're doing that uh, for a reason because they want you to be afraid. Oh, it's so crazy. I just, every day, I'm like, it's so crazy. <laughs> it is. But, you know, d- do the things that you know work. Like, I've been working on the, the Wim Hof breathing technique every day, doing it every morning, taking the 15 minutes to sit down and do the breathing. And that's been shown to increase your immune system. Right. And I have still, I've only done that once, but I do the hot, cold showers every day, and I've gotten so much better at that. Mm-hmm. And it's colder. It's been much colder here at night. So we've gotten below freezing temperatures a couple of times and um, walked out and all the grass. <laughs> That's cold for Texas. People. I know it is. It's really cold. If it gets down to 30, we're like, what is happening? And But that makes the water cold. We, ha- we definitely have cold water. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to get in there and do that, alternating hot and cold, 30 seconds hot, 30 seconds cold, three rounds of that. And sometimes I'm in there a little bit longer because I start seeing if I can turn off that feeling of like, oh, the water is cold and start telling myself that it's not cold. And all of a sudden it doesn't feel so cold. Your mind is so powerful. Mm -hmm. I am basically a superhero. (laughs) Well, that, that practice will also boost your immune system. 
So, yes. so there's two things now that you can do that are extremely simple. Breathing and doing the, the cold showers. Those two things will boost your immune system. Now, if you combine that with the stuff that I bet you're already doing, like making sure you get vitamin D, zinc, selenium, uh, that you, you know, you're eating plenty of uh, you know, cholesterol foods, so you have all that cholesterol that's an antioxidant, you start combining all this, and I know you make the joke about superhuman, but you essentially are just building this this very strong immune system where you can fight off just about anything. Yeah, and I mean, if you throw some exercise in there too, right. I mean, what? Now you're now you are superhuman. Basically. Now you are absolutely. So don't feel completely out of control if you if you've had that issue. Know that you're in control. That there's a lot of things you can do to boost your own immune system. And these are things that I talk about and people tell tell you that you're crazy. I know. I mean, it, people, well, it's all of you guys know. We live in a world where you match pill for pain. Mm-hmm. And this is no different. People would rather, unfortunately, take a shot of something they have no idea what it's going to do to their body. It's really not... I mean, I know it's supposed to be safe. I get it. But I'm still... I'm skeptical. And... I think it's fine to be skeptical. I would rather do all the health and lifestyle things to let my body work on its own with this particular case just because we know the recovery rate and that really it's it's people who are already sick who have the worst outcome. Those people might need some extra help. But I think healthy people who don't have diabetes and don't have all these underlying conditions, you're probably best served by letting your body take care of what it can take care of in right. this situation. You know, it's just one of those. <sighs> that, that's the, the statistic that you just talked about is what got me in trouble. Because I know. I said 94%. And this is it's from the CDC. This is not, you know, something I got off some weird website. You didn't get it off a Cracker Jack box. <laughs> 94% of the people who die from COVID, these are the deaths, have, they averaged out to have 2.6 comorbidities. So over two, almost three I think it's 2.9 now. So that means that those that person was at the minimum had they were probably obese or had type 2 diabetes or had high blood pressure or had some other type of metabolic dysregulation that was already affecting them. So and that's when I said sick people die from covid and nobody wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. So that means the uh, the other 6% was was assumed to be healthy. And now we also have to throw in though that among those 6% some of those could have undiagnosed conditions. And how many, we already know within our community, we talk about this all the time, how many undiagnosed pre-diabetics we have in the in the country. Right. I mean, the amount of diabetes within the United States is, if any other institution or, or part of the government failed in the way that the USDA has failed, on the food recommendations and creating a diabetic population. If anyone else did that, people would be outraged. I right. don't know why we're not outraged. The whole world is not outraged by that. A lot of people followed us in our recommendations too. And so you have this overarching, you know, global problem of obesity and type 2 diabetes and like you said, 2.6 comorbidities. So usually with diabetes, you've got heart disease and hypertension along with that. They right. just kind of all go they're like the the triplets. They come together, you know. You can't separate them hardly. Mm-hmm. So when you have a new virus and you've got 30 million type 2 diabetics in the US and an estimated 300 to 400 million worldwide, there are going to be some people that die. 
the the number of uh, pre-diabetics is higher right. than diabetics, which we know pre-diabetes means you have diabetes. Yeah. There is, let's stop. <laughs> let's stop sugarcoating it. Ha ha ha. Finger like quotes. You know, let's let's really call it what it is. If you have pre-diabetes, you're diabetic. Right. So so those people are going to be more at risk for any new type of virus or sickness that goes floating around. So it, 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 it shouldn't be a, a shock to people when people with comorbidities get sick and have to be admitted to the hospital. Right. So th- that's all I was trying to put out there with, with a person, and they didn't like it because, again, they have you feelings. ogre, you. I'm insensitive. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just trying to share information. And, you know, it's, and that's what we do on the podcast. So you can turn it off if you don't like it. That's, that's your, that's your prerogative. Exactly. Exactly what you can do. And you don't have to listen. But like we said, it's, we try to listen to, to different voices so that we, you know, different opinions, different uh, information so that we try to look at it and go, okay, what actually makes the most sense here? And, um, this is kind of where we've fallen. Yeah. Low, low carb, carnivore, exercise, get out in the sun. All those things make a lot of sense. Right. So we're, we're kind of in, and talking about all these these kind of things, we're kind of in the uh, the chaos right now of the holiday season. It's about to be Christmas. We've got through Thanksgiving. We're rolling up on Christmas. So uh, one of the things that we want to talk about was just staying focused, you know, keeping yeah. on your goals, uh, getting through Christmas appropriately, Fighting through New Year's and then getting to the New Year so everybody can get on their their health kick. Exactly. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to mention about my sweet potato, uh, event. I don't know event. Yes, my weeks of sweet potato. I tested my blood my blood ketones and my blood sugar uh, during the time when I've been eating sweet potatoes, and you know I was never knocked out of ketosis because I never ate very much of sweet potato in my meal. It was a very small portion, but still, um, you know, not everybody can do that. I did want to kind of throw that out there that you have to know what your body can handle as far as carbohydrates goes. And, um, just because I can handle them with my blood sugar and remaining ketosis obviously doesn't mean that I should have them if I'm breaking out in eczema. So that's a really good point to to keep in your mind. And as you go into the holidays, to even though there's a food there that maybe you know you can handle with your blood sugar and your um, even staying within your uh, ketosis levels, it's not always optimal. It's not, but that's a good point. Is is if you're if you're going to insert a new food and you want to see if you're concerned about being in ketosis uh, continuously. You know, having a some type of glucose monitor to check after you've had those foods to see what it does to your blood sugar, that gives really good feedback for a lot of people. I mean, for me, in the morning is when my blood sugar is highest, which is really that's what, what is appropriate. Yeah. I'm always around, you know, anywhere from 95 to 100. But, you know, we'll have food and then in the middle of the afternoon, I'll test it and I'll be in the low 90s and in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So that just shows that, you know, your body is regulating your blood glucose as it should. And you've tested yours enough. You know what your normal range is. Mm -hmm. And and yours might be a little bit higher than some people's. But we've talked about that before. Lean mass. Lean mass hyper-responder. Hyper-responder. High cholesterol. And also your blood sugar runs a little high. Mm -hmm. Especially 
when you've tested it, usually we've exercised, so you might have a little bit of circulating blood glucose from your glycogen stores right. in there. So, you know, it's good to know all that information. And I know maybe somebody, if you're new, you might not know what a blood glucose monitor and keto monitor is. We use the Keto Mojo. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yep. So it's a good tool to have, especially around the holidays, if you're concerned about it or if you have really severe issues and you need to monitor that. Right. Um, but I thought it was interesting that I could eat sweet potato and, you know, go an hour after and I wasn't out of ketosis. I checked it two hours after, wasn't out of ketosis. Blood sugar stayed pretty well in range. It didn't go more than five points up, which I thought was crazy. Um, so it regulated really good, which means, like Dr. Nally says... That if you are keto for about 18 months, you can often reverse and heal your insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. And the time frame is different for everybody. I mean, you know, 18 months to two years is is kind of a, a safe time frame that you can operate within and know with, you know, once you get past that, you might have healed a lot of your issues or it could take longer. Right. It just depends on the person. Yep. So, um, you know, just do the best you can and keep monitoring your health and keep getting better. Right. You You had a great morning. Oh, yeah. I got in six miles run. We've had the last three Mondays, which is usually the long run day, have, they have been perfect for running. No wind, uh, you know, great temperature, sunny. So getting out there and getting in the mileage has felt good. Right. Mine did not go as well, but I went. <laughs> um, I'm, still, I'm still around the three and four mile range right now, but that's okay. Some of that is just like bodily stress in other ways, and I'm just... I'm going with it. Yeah. I'm doing what I can right now. Yeah, so take advantage of those times where you have great weather to work out outside. I mean, it's just, it feels so good. It has good. been gorgeous. Like, cold at night, in the morning. Like, this morning's temperature for the run here in Texas, it was zero, like zero wind, uh, low humidity, and then it was about 50 degrees and sunny. Mm-hmm. You cannot get better running weather than that. Yeah, it, it was, was good. Perfect. 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 <laughs> But uh, I think that kind of brings us to an end. An end here. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of stuff. We kind of ended it with, "Hey, you have control of your life. Take control and do the right things." We kind of started with sweet potatoes and ended with sweet potatoes. <laughs> so I feel like sweet potatoes are the theme today, and um, eczema is the outcome. Hot potato. Hot so, potato. Exactly. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll report back if I take them out, which I have, and it goes away. I'll let you know. Right. Okay, well... That's the only way to do it. Yep. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, We hope you're having a great day. Hope everyone is happy and healthy. Go out there. Have a Merry Christmas. And have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's that's a giveaway. Merry Christmas, everybody. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tasco Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to vtkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.